It's the Emeritus with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the Americhicks, and it is Friday. And uh, every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner at the beginning of the show, I want to say play ball. And we are playing ball. Yesterday, the uh, the Rockies beat the Marlins, first game of the season. So go Rockies. It could. This is going to be our year, Producer Steve. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. So, hey, we've got a great show planned for you today. Thrilled to have in studio a guy that I've watched for many years who I admire, uh, Grover Norquist. You are, were you the founder of Americans for Tax Reform? Americans for Tax Reform was set up actually by President Reagan's White House to be the group that pushed for the Tax Reform Act of 1986. Okay. So I was the founding president, but they'd actually set it up. Okay. So you know Reagan, or you knew oh, yeah. Reagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what kind of a guy, I mean, what, what's your takeaway? What would you say about him? Well, everything <clears throat> you think. He was just very bright. He read a great deal. He read all the time. Uh, and it, as we know from his writings through his life, he wrote a great deal as well. So um, he had a couple of big things he wanted to do. He wanted to bring taxes down and get growth up. He wanted to restrain spending. He wanted to have a, a military strong enough that the Soviet Union, which was in the process of eating the world at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and he enunciated, here's my plan. We win, they lose. Um, which was not the previous plan. The previous plan was, let's see if we can wait them out and right. <clears throat> maybe they'll become nice or something. <laughs> um, and, uh, or we'll lose slowly. And he accomplished so much of what he wanted to do. And Trump's accomplishments come largely from standing on his shoulders and the Republican House and Senate. When Reagan came into office, there were maybe two, maybe two Reagan Republican senators, a handful of Reagan Republican House members um, today, almost all the members of the Senate, the Republicans in the House and Senate, are at base Reagan Republicans whose first instinct is taxes go down, spending doesn't go up. I mean, you have fights, you don't get everything you want, mm-hmm. but their instincts are largely in the right direction, which they weren't when Reagan walked in. The Republican mm-hmm. Party was all over the map. If somebody was a Republican, all you really knew is that they were born north of the Mason-Dixon line, mm-hmm. um, and so they were with Lincoln's party. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you didn't know very much about them. And he really did turn the Republican Party into a party based on principle, not geography. Well, and, you know, I really think that we are in an, um, I mean, an interesting and exciting time right now. It's amazing to me that President Trump gets up every day with all of the attacks on him and uh, continues to push, push things forward that are really good for the American people. And, uh, Grover, I had served on city council in my, my city for four years, and I realized that we need to, to start to, I want to say, starve the beast. We need to make sure that we start to get government spending lowered so that people have more money in their pocket, so that they can take care of their families. They can, you know, go out and, and you know, pursue their life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, uh, and, uh, you know, build businesses and, and go after the American dream. Yeah, when the government says, you need help on this, first of all, they come and they 
empty your pockets with state taxes, local taxes, federal taxes, and they push you down. Then they say, oh, you look, <laughs> you look like you need some help, and they give you a 20 back <laughs> from what they took in the first place. This, this is not help. Um, what they really need to do is keep their hands out of our pockets to begin with, uh, and also not to have the kind of regulations that make it difficult for mm-hmm. people to solve their own problems in their own communities. Mm-hmm. And you know what, let's do uh, just a few little bookkeeping things. I'm just so excited. I want to jump right in here sure. with you. But uh, we do a few different things in the morning just to, to kind of get everybody ready to go. First of all, I wanted to remind everybody about Vino and Veritas. Castle Rock will be opening this Sunday night. And of course, Vino and Veritas, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter. And uh, we are studying the Federalist Papers. It's a year-long study. And my friends, we need to know why we believe what we believe. And so if you are interested in getting more information, go to americhicks.com and forward slash Kim and fill out the form. Uh, Our note of inspiration today comes from Newt Rockney, the renowned Notre Dame football coach. He said, make the present good and the past will take care of itself. And then today's funnies. Producer Steve, are you are you ready for this one? Okay, is this a pun? (laughs) It it depends. But today, Steve, what's the difference between all the public universities in the United States and Vino and Veritas? I don't know. At Vino and Veritas, at least seventy-five people are reading and studying the Federalist Papers. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say thank you to a great team: uh, producer Steve, uh, Zach. Patty and Keith, I greatly appreciate all your help and all the things that we do. Uh, our, uh, so we're going to be talking with Grover here, the, the first and second segment. And then Representative Susan Beckman, she's down in the firing line down under the Golden Dome, is going to let us know what's going on right now, which I'm, and what she expects might be coming down the pike. So we still have one more month of this craziness down there. So who knows? But Grover Norquist. Uh, I I am so excited to ask you this question because so many politicians, local, state, national, opine that the gas tax needs to be raised because it hasn't been raised in so many years. So what do you say to that? Well, a couple of things. One is uh, politicians take turns deciding what it is they think voters want. And then they tell them, you can only have that if you give me more money gasoline taxes or some other tax they want to raise. In the past, it was prisons. If you want prisons, we all have to raise taxes for prison. Uh, education, um, and uh, then, then sometimes roads. And we're into the roads thing for a while. Here's Big time here in Colorado. And across the country, uh, mm-hmm. people are pushing, and nationally. Uh, the politicians have been using the gas tax as a piggy bank to spend money on other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in Wyoming, before Governor Walker got elected there, for 10 years, the Democrats took $100 million a year, so a billion dollars, out of the money that was supposed to go to roads, bridges, mm-hmm. and put into other things, general revenue. Mm-hmm. Then Walker gets elected and everyone says, we need to raise the gas tax. No, you need to stop stealing from the gas tax. And by th- that, I mean they siphon it off into general revenue, or they decide to do light rail, mm-hmm. which doesn't run the number of people that they say they're going to run ever um, and loses money. Why would you put more money into something to lose more money? Uh, And into about six states, six cities uh, have rather large metros. And so we end up, your gas tax money gets siphoned off over there. So one, stop siphoning off about 20% of the federal money Mm -hmm. into Mm non-roads, non-bridges. 
Two, there's a law called the Davis-Bacon Act, passed in the early 1930s, deliberately done. It's a very vicious law. It's been things like it have been done around the world, but it was to keep African-Americans from moving to New York and working in construction. Really? It, oh, yeah. So it was a price bar, a wage bar, a minimum wage for if you're going to work for the federal government, you had to pay prevailing wage, which was the union wage, and that meant no new entrance into uh, this business. And it's, it's used to keep the price up, to keep certain people out, uh, and it increases the cost of every road, every bridge, the federal dollar touches buildings by about 25 to 30 percent. So if you got rid of the Davis-Bacon Act and you stopped stealing, you'd have almost, you know, 45 percent. Yes. And uh, and then if you were to start getting the EPA to not delay a road, you know, 10 years, right. or, you know, if you're fixing a bridge, what's the EPA going to study? You know, we've already checked to make sure the polar bears don't cross on the bridge mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. So, you know, they're going to come back and you want to widen the bridge. They want to do a new study about what some of this stuff is just make work. And some of it tremendously lengthens the time and therefore the amount of money to build a, uh, an extra lane and a, and a highway to widen a bridge. Um, all, we have many, many things we could do to get much more road and bridge building out of the same amount of money before you even think about raising taxes. So any politician who tells you they can only help you on roads if you pay the money is just lying to you. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings up some other things. All of a sudden, these memories are coming back to me. I served on city council from 2012 to 2016, and that was the time where there was the big push to put in the Southeast Light Rail extension, which when I first got on city council, and, you know, I I really thought citizens serving. I realized that, you know, there's some real pros in this business, and there's a difference between an elected official and a politician. And uh, so anyway, you're bringing back a memory, though. So when I got on city council, there was, you know, a conversation about whether or not the city would pursue. It was, um, I want to say it was the new starts uh, money from the federal government. And this was, oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and there was real pressure from uh, the mayor and the other city councilmen and people. And I was the green, you know, I was the rookie. Uh, to to vote yes on that or, and, or to give the head nod to go. And, you know, Grover, at the time, I'm kind of like, you know, guys, that just does, something doesn't sit right with me. But I did the head nod. That is the only thing that I really regret when I was on city council. And I thought, well, maybe we won't get that. Well, so we were awarded. This was under the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. It was like 92 or $93 million towards... Uh, $207 million uh, Southeast Light Rail Extension, which is 2.3 miles. I mean, it's over $100 million, almost $100 million a mile. So as I'm starting to look at this, I'm like, this really, really doesn't make sense. And I was voicing my concerns about it. And then as I also started to look at the contracts, we were saying $207 million, but the contracts, the estimates were coming in anywhere from 230 to $250 million. And so I'm thinking to myself, this doesn't seem right. And uh, so, uh, ultimately, I indicated that I was going to vote no on this. And I was trying to get my brain around why. And I realized that there had been a piece, I want to say it was John Chapman. um, uh, He's a professor out in California. And he'd written a piece about, uh, I want to say, the Commerce Clause. And the Commerce Clause, the way he interpreted it, and the way he thought the founders meant was that the commerce, it would be something that benefited the whole country instead of uh, just a particular region. And if somebody wanted to do something regionally, 
yeah. then we should do that. And so I wrote a piece and I started it with great societies and great people care about how they treat their neighbors. So you don't steal from your neighbors for your project. And what we pass on to our children, we don't encumber our kids with all this debt for something right now. So I want you to comment on that. We're going to go to break. Okay. You know what? This is going to wait, go way too quickly, I can tell. Before we do that, though, hey, March Madness is un- underway, and Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. The Nuggets are in the playoffs. I think the Avs are in the wild card game. And yesterday was uh, the first game for the Rockies. Opening day is April 5th. Well, Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Wednesday is wing day. All the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine, And try their smoked wings. They're delectable and only half the calories. And you can have those Hooters wings uh, delivered right to your front doorstep when the girls come over on Wednesday nights. That's what we do. So more information. Visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Be sure and let them know that you know me, Kim Munson with the Americhicks. We are talking with Grover Norquist uh, with Americans for Tax Reform. We will be right back. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We need to be having conversations. Uh, Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. And sign up for my email newsletter that comes out once a week. We're going to have a big surprise this Sunday. So go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim. They say there's no free lunch. And we've got something that's going to be coming up that you're going to love. And it's almost free. And you're only going to have to do just one little thing. So be sure and do that. Uh, Offering you the conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me right now, Grover Norquist. Uh, You said that President Reagan really was the founder for Americans for Tax Reform, but you were the first guy to really, really make it happen. So it's great to have you here. Absolutely. Okay, so I was opining a bit about the Commerce Clause and my experience regarding the Southeast Light Rail Extension. And as I mentioned the Commerce Clause, I saw a spark in your eye. So what's your comment? Well, I think it's important that politicians, a lot of things should be done locally, either by individuals themselves, companies, people, 
families, uh, some things the city can do or state can do. Um, the federal government steps in and tries to convince people, everybody in Colorado, we're going to get you money from other people. But the only way Colorado gets federal money for roads or light rail or anything is to take it from people in Iowa and Kansas and California. But then they go to the guys in California and say, have I got a deal for you? We're really looting all the people in Colorado and bringing the money here. So you get people in 50 states each thinking that a federal grant comes from somebody else, not realizing that if Colorado gets one, 49 other states get one too, going the other way. It really hides the cost of government. And if the government's got a bad idea, you really do need to hide the high cost. Well, and so that seems to me to be one of the reasons why we are trillions of dollars in debt then. So instead of just saying to, uh, and, and that's it's something that I heard Grover on a consistent basis when I was making the case against accepting that uh, federal money for the, the Southeast Light Rail extension. Free money. Is, if we don't take it, Kim, somebody else will. And I heard that from Republicans. And first of all, I was a little shocked, and then I realized this was prevalent, That, uh, and I, I said, well, maybe we just all need to not take it. That's the argument for shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't steal it, somebody else will. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it quite that way. Uh, so not only do we kind of say, hey, wink, wink, we're, we're getting the money uh, from California, but this is not a real wink, wink, because, I mean, we're, we're all in this game right now, and we have a responsibility to be watching but the other thing that, they, that we are doing is we are encumbering the next generations. And I find that deeply immoral. Um, we come from a country, you know, the Patriots, Washington, you know, the, they put their lives on the line uh, and their blood and their treasure to pass on something good to the next generation. Uh, you know, Lincoln and the Civil War, they put their lives on the line to pass on something good to the next generation. We now are uh, saying, how can we take from the next generation? And that's antithetical to the American idea. Well, politicians are buying votes today with money they're stealing from your children and grandchildren. And, you know, the gold-plated pensions that uh, too many government employees have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, many of that will not actually get paid because cities go bankrupt um, and and will with some of those uh, pensions that have been set up. But a politician can promise you anything 30 years from now. He'll be dead. What does he care? Um, and somebody else is going to be paying for it. it, it well, and mentioning cities that go bankrupt. Under federalism, there's this grand experiment that you have states that would make their decisions. And so, for example, if California or Colorado, we're in a position where we're t- making some really bad decisions down at the state house. But if we, we do something, in fact, uh, I should have mentioned this. It looks like, um, uh, let's see, uh, Colorado, let's see, House Bill, or excuse me, Senate Bill 181, which is the uh, oil and gas bill, basically will kick oil and gas development out of the state of Colorado. Which is close to a third of the economy. It's a lot. $600 million, it, uh, oil and gas contributes $600 million just to education here. So when we talk about education uh, for our kids, politicians talk about it, but they want to kick out one of the, the, you know, the big funders of it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, but f- First they destroy those industries. Then they come back and say, oops, now we have to raise your taxes $600 million. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, but under federalism... States have the, the, you know, they can be a state and they can make their decisions. So if we want to make really bad decisions 
and potentially put Colorado in a very difficult economic position, we make that choice. But then what happens is the politicians want to go to Washington and say, we want federal money to bail us out. And you see, you can see that kind of setting itself up with California as well. Oh, everything that allows the 50 states to compete with each other to provide the best government at the lowest cost is helpful. And we are seeing that people actually leave California and New York and New Jersey, states that people used to move to. They're now leaving because they've overtaxed and overregulated. They've slowed their economies down. Um, they've made it very difficult for middle-class people to survive in, mm-hmm. those, in those states. And people are moving to Texas, no income tax. Florida, no income tax. Tennessee, no income tax. Washington state, no income tax. Um, and these states all do very well on education and have better roads than California. Um, they don't build, you know, railroads to nowhere, passenger transit. they got like $70 billion they're planning on spending to take a train from San Francisco to L.A. You can fly a plane, get a plane ticket for about 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going to tear down everything from forests to people's houses to get this mm-hmm. done. And it sounded funny because it was going to be with mostly federal money. So it was free. So they didn't ask the questions about, do we really want to do this? When Trump said, we're not doing this anymore. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. You guys are not, first of all, you changed what you're going to do and you changed the cost. We're not going to keep funding it. And so then California says, well, then we're not doing it because it doesn't make any sense if we pay for it. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ju- the number that you just said, it was, uh, and, and the price had gone up significantly. I, th- I think it... 30 billion to over 70. Yeah. And so 70 billion for this uh, rail line from basically nowhere to nowhere. Oh, yes, yes. But yet Nancy Pelosi is fighting over just a few billion dollars for a, a border. Uh, border wall. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me, Grover. No, because it's all politics. And uh, again, it's other people's money. So we, we have a real challenge. But here, here's the good news. The Americans for Tax Reform, the group that I uh, organize, uh, asks all candidates to sign a pledge to oppose and vote against all tax increases. Governors, senators, state legislators, uh, the Republican elected officials at the national level in Colorado have, uh, have all signed and, are, and have kept that promise not to raise taxes. It really has created a firewall against tax increases. The only tax increases out of Washington, D.C., since Bush, 41, made the mistake of breaking his commitment and mm-hmm. raising taxes. And it cost him the presidency. It did. It was not inexpensive. Uh, he had a fairly successful presidency other than that. Mm-hmm. Watched the collapse of the Soviet Union without blood on the floor. I mean, that was not easy to manage. Um, but he raised taxes, lost. Then... Clinton raised taxes for two years when he had the House, Senate, and Presidency, all Democrat. Then they got thrown out, the House and the Senate. Then you go forward, no tax increase during the period of Republican control of the House and Senate and the Bush presidency. Obama gets in, and for two years, he has the House, Senate, and the, pre- and, uh, the presidency. He raises taxes, does Obamacare, does all those crazy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he gets thrown out of the House and most of the Senate, then loses the Senate, and then the presidency. So... Democrats know that when they go in and raise taxes, they can lose the next election. So they go in and get as much as they can and then hope to get it stuck in. One of the great things about Colorado, and I'm from Massachusetts, where we have Prop 2.5, which is a limit that was passed by the people, like your Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. The Taxpayer Bill of Rights is the one defense Colorado has against overspending and overtaxation. I know the Supreme Court's trying to poke holes in it and the legislature's trying to kill it. Um, I would just remind the people of Colorado, if you get 
dismay that you don't have a governor or a House or a Senate committed to limited government. You do have a part of the Constitution which you can hold on to and defend. Well, and to that point, we'll probably talk with Susan Beckman about that. I think it's House Bill 1257 that's being proposed that is uh, trying to take a big swipe at half of Tabor, the Taxpayer yes. Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting a little whacked out about what's happening here in Colorado. And I, I ran into a, a guy yesterday who I have great regard for. He is a reporter for one of the, um, the papers here. And... He had some real hope. He was looking in the future. He said, I think that, and, you know, Grover, the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK. JFK lowered taxes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been taken over by the, these radical progressive activists. And he said, I don't think that's who the people of Colorado are. And, in fact, we voted down a couple of, of uh, measures on the ballot uh, last year that would have been huge tax increases. And so I think that we, we need to make sure that we're continuing to have these conversations so that people understand that. Uh, so we're going to be talking with Susan Beckman. She is down at the State House fighting it out every day. I think she's with House Distri- District 38. Uh, and b- before we do that, we have John Buckingham on the line with Presidential Wealth Management. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great this morning. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing well. Have you heard from Jason? Uh, he is still having fun on vacation, so we haven't heard a word from him. So. Okay, well, that's good. Well, thank you for manning the fort. And today, um, let's talk just a little about, uh, about the China uh, trade talks and that impact on the world economies. Absolutely. I think that right now it looks like things are progressing to the point where uh, we may have some type of an agreement probably later on, maybe early in the summertime. But uh, regardless of the style, uh, we're getting results. And I think that uh, when we look at the impact on the global economy, if we can get China to pull out of its spin, and it's been tearing up the markets over the last several months where, you know, it's up about 25% on the year right now. If they can get going, that is going to help us dramatically to avoid a potential recession, you know, probably mid-2020-ish. So we really want those trade talks to do well so that we can get – the U.S. economy kind of steamrolling along with them, and maybe Europe will sooner or later decide to join the party, but we'll see on them. So I think I detect that you feel, again, style can be somewhat interesting in getting people to the table, but we had had Dr. Brian Dimitrovic on, who had written a book with Larry Kudlow on JFK and the Reagan Revolution, and um, he, he was talking about uh, what was so interesting about Trump is that Trump actually has gotten these other countries to admit that they have been charging tariffs on our products coming in. I think that the narrative had been implied that that uh, that we were charging tariffs and they weren't at all, but they have been charging uh, tariffs on our products. And so that there was a real that was a real success, even though, like you mentioned, the style was kind of interesting, but it was a real success to get these countries to admit that they have been charging tariffs on our products. Yeah, and I think that realistically, they're just not used to a business-type person's approach to negotiations versus the politicians. You know, Trump wasn't at least initially as diplomatic, but he was in their face a little bit, and they're not used to that, and they kind of reacted to that, I believe, in the sense of they see strength in that type of an approach, even though the press and European politicians, they're all like aghast that, oh, my God, this is just terrible. He's going to blow up the world. Um, so I think that, you know, the style is definitely something that most politicians aren't used to. But in the business world, that's what you see all the time. You just don't see it 
covered 24-7. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think a lot of Americans do like the fact that he's he's talking tough. And we have Grover Norquist in, in studio with us, and he... Um, uh, knew Reagan, and in fact, Reagan was the catalyst for Americans for Tax Reform, and Grover is is the head of that. And uh, Grover, just a, probably a quick comment on this with John, is that uh, Reagan was able to accomplish so much on the world stage with no, um, as you mentioned, no no blood. And we kind of see something happening like that here, too, I think. Yeah, look, President Trump has talked about having a more Reaganite foreign policy, which is fewer wars of choice, not jumping into every conflict in the world and deciding that we would umpire it, which means both teams shoot at us. Um, and I think he's been, been wise to do that. that. The challenge on trade, of course, is that we really do need to get the, a little more certainty uh, from the trade agreement. I think we'll see better trade, but I'd really like to see it sooner rather than later okay. so that people can start making decisions and know what the price of steel is going to be. Okay, great. So any other comments, John? Oh, that's all I've got for you guys today. Okay, great. And uh, if people would like to have uh, the great guys and gals over at Presidential Wealth Management take another look at their portfolio, put another set of eyes on their nest egg, you can reach John and the whole team over there at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Or the phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. John, thanks so much, and have a great weekend. You guys do the same. Okay. Okay, Grover, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we have on the line with us Susan Beckman. She is down there. In fact, I I confirmed that she was going to be on this morning. She confirmed back to me after midnight last night. I know she was probably reading all the legislation. And here she is on the phone. So we're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. You want to succeed. So you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks Radio Show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Love having these conversations. Great one we just had in the first and second segment with uh, Grover Norquist, and he's still in studio, so that'll be great. And uh, be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, and particularly uh, make sure that you're on the list for this week because we got something really exciting that's going to be unveiled this week in the newsletter. So go to AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim, get on the list, and I'll also keep you apprised of upcoming guest topics and important events. I'm the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Would appreciate it if you would like and uh, follow me. And we are offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, And excited to have on the line with me uh, Colorado Representative Susan Beckman. Uh, It's House District 38, right, Susan? Yes. Good morning, Kim. It is. It's Littleton and Centennial, just south of Denver. 
Well, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you were on the line when I was uh, telling Grover when I, I had sent you a little confirmation text, and you responded back like after midnight, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and she's going to be on the on the air this morning. Uh, but it's a it's quite a job you guys have down there watching all this legislation. Yeah, it's a fight. We were on the floor last night, uh, almost midnight, with Senate Bill 181, the gas killing regulations, uh, that is that is really going to. Uh, hurt the oil and gas industry in Colorado. And as hard as we fight, we just have 24 members against 31, and they block vote. And I honestly can't believe, like the floor last night, the arrogance, how condescending they are. There is no empathy for the people who work in the oil and gas business. It, it is just they are really out of touch. And they are going to push and cram this legislation down the good people of Colorado's throats. They're just going to, and they don't care. Okay, and so they don't they don't understand the ramifications. Okay, so now where are we at exactly with 181 then? So you were there until midnight, and yeah. how how did the vote go? It was party line. Okay, we had some amendments that were actually uh, that we brought some people over on from the Democrat side, but it will pass. They sometimes the in seats that are are, are volatile and it can be recalled or uh, voted out in the next election, sometimes they give them a pass because they have enough of the numbers Mm -hmm. because they know how controversial this is. We will hear it on third reading, I believe, this morning or Monday, but it will pass. They they don't care. The governor will sign it, and... uh, you know, we'll go down. We'll we'll continue on to the next horrible, horrific, socialist-leaning, Colorado destructive bill, and that's what the entire session has been. I, I you know, I just don't understand it, uh, Grover. Do you have any? Are you watching Colorado? Do you have any opinion on this right now? The left has gone so far left. The Democrats have gone mm-hmm. way to the left. Part of it was this belief that this Mueller investigation was going to cripple Trump, and that they would just walk into the presidency in 2020. So they didn't have to be reasonable. They didn't have to have ideas. They didn't have to have any numbers that added up. They could do this new Green Deal, $94 trillion over a decade, uh, because because they were going to run against nobody. Then Mueller turns out to be a big nothing, and they've allowed 16 people, many of them silly, to run for president, which means they, they're going to have an odd message for, for months and months. And they've allowed really extreme people to write their platform and what they stand for. And you're seeing this show up in Colorado with this hubris of we've seized the power temporarily. Mm-hmm. And even if you you know, get some recalls and some of these people that have gone way too far come back, a lot of damage stays. It takes a while to pick all these shards of glass out of um, and, and trying to turn around. I mean, mm-hmm. we still have bunches of Obamacare driving up the cost of health care for mm-hmm. all Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we haven't gotten rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, with that, Susan, that brings. I'm thinking all kinds of different things as I have Grover here and you on the line. Um, let's talk just a little bit about Tabor. Uh, I think it's House Bill 1257, which is going to try to take a big swipe at Tabor. Where's that at right now? I think it's being discussed in the Senate. I know that we are really gearing up as a caucus to fight that. Uh, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is something that, for Colorado, has kept uh, our economy going for so long, and we are not just going to let roll over on this. They will come and say, oh, well, we need education and we need transportation. But it's very much like Referendum C, 
that money could never be accounted for. It went into government programs that never had any positive outcomes for Colorado. At the the very least, we need to keep our taxes reasonable here. Our cost of living is being increasing so much in Colorado, and and our economy is going to take a dip here with some of the legislation they are actually passing. Mm -hmm. So we're gearing up to fight for Tabor. People need to be asked if if they are going to override Tabor, and and we need to re-educate a whole generation about what the Taxpayer Bill of Rights actually does. And it limits taxes. We have to ask if we want a tax increase. And it's polling very well right now um, if it would go to the vote that people would, would turn it down. You're, you mean it's polling well that uh, people would protect Tabor? Is that right? Yes. People like, and we're calling it, yeah, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. People like it. Okay. They, they like, they, in Colorado, people are, they're still very fiscally conservative. But, but there are people who moved into Colorado in the last several years who need to be reminded that there's a constitutional cap on how much the government can spend. They want to get rid of that. And there's a requirement that if somebody wants to raise your taxes, they have to get a vote of the people. They have to get your permission. Throw those two away. And there's nothing that stops the government from taking everything out of your pocket. Well, that's for sure. And and basically, I think it's uh, just good manners, Grover. Yes, And it basically yes. says to government uh, on two things. that, And it says that there is a cap. But if you want to raise taxes above that, just ask us. You know, make yeah. the case. Just ask us. And then, uh, Susan, there's also that formula. I think it's population and inflation. And so government can grow, grow by that, which is you know, that's pretty generous. But what the question really is on 1257 is there's additional money, and, and Colorado's got a lot of additional money. Uh, and if, in fact, you want government to keep that, they just have to ask you. And that's what 1257 is doing, is saying, we don't want to ask you. And we want to keep all that money in the future. And we want to take away that constitutional right for individuals, our children, to be asked. And um, I... I'm just a little shocked on that, Susan. And, and actually, the growth, the 6% growth is what we are seeing pretty regularly in Tabor. That's a billion dollars every year of new revenue. And, it's still, and they're not, built, they're not do, fixing our roads. So that money just gets absorbed into government bureaucracy and stuff that doesn't really add to our quality of life. And so they're going to have to have a pretty good case. When you ask them where did referendum C money go, they, they have a hard time telling you. Uh, this money will, will not go into uh, roads. It will, it will just, they need more growth in government. And they've got a lot of projects. You know, I'm seeing a lot of legislation this year going to a lot of nonprofits, uh, big dollars at 500000 um, millions of dollars into their favorite nonprofit for some kind of program or project that they uh, administer, and it's so wrong. You know, boy, that brings up an. I served on the board of uh, Lutheran Family Services for many years, and uh, I initially, when I got on, I thought the funding came from church members. Uh, but and uh, you know, some of the projects they did. One was a adoption, which I, I thought was really great, and they did refugee resettlement. And at the time, I'm thinking this is, you know, this is, um, you know, uh, persecuted Christians from throughout the world that we're bringing to, to America. And then when I got on the board and started to look at the numbers, I realized at the time, I think it was about a $12 million budget and $10 million was coming from government. 
And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't a nonprofit. This is a quasi-governmental agency. And, and then I also looked at the, the, um, you know, the balance sheet, and part of that money was going to lobbying. So I'm like, wait a minute. We are having government money. They're using part of that money to go and lobby to get more money. And so the fact that you just said that there's a lot of favorite nonprofits that are getting money in this budget, that's a big red flag. I'm using a different term for red flag. That's a big red flag to me, Susan. Oh, it's a huge red flag, and it should be. With Planned Parenthood writing the the sex education legislation, for uh, our preschools and our junior highs, and, and it's going to pass. It's the Comprehensive Human Sexuality Education in California. California uh, Planned Parenthood actually has the contracts to do the education. That is a direct funnel of money to Planned Parenthood. We all know that Planned Parenthood put a lot of money in Democratic uh, candidates this year. This is something that's never happened. It goes around the usual Board of Education, the Constitution, and it's just a funnel for Planned Parenthood to get into our schools, but also it's a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of money, and we have Grover Norquist in in studio here, and that's one of the first things, Grover, I think that we have to do is we have to to starve the money. And, uh, you know, regarding Planned Parenthood, I I took a look at their financials, and they get over a half billion dollars uh, in in, uh, government grants. That's a lot of money. But it also tells you if you give the government another 10 bucks, they don't put it into roads. They didn't put the last half billion into roads. They gave some of it to Planned Parenthood. So why would we think that if we gave them more money, they do with it what they didn't do with the previous money we gave them? Roads is what they use to sucker you into agreeing to a tax increase. And then they put the money into those recycling things that look like uh, foundations but are actually campaign organizations for their for democratic candidates that's that's exactly true so hey susan yeah that is exactly true yeah let's go to break so close yeah you're well you're on the front lines let's go to break uh and when we come back we're talking with uh, grover norquist who's in studio with americans for tax reform and uh, Colorado Representative Susan Beckman, she's down on the firing line. You were you were at the state house until after midnight last night on this 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 economy killing uh, piece of legislation one eighty one, which is a direct affront to what the people of Colorado said just this last election, where they said we like to have oil and gas development in in Colorado. You know, efficient, affordable, reliable energy makes us more prosperous, helps us to thrive and go after our hopes and dreams. So, Susan, stay on the line. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation, having a fabulous conversation with Grover Norquist, who is with Americans for Tax Reform. Love it. And uh, Representative Colorado Representative Susan Beckman, uh, who's down... uh, (laughs) 
down under the Golden Dome. You guys, you're just having to hold the line. You know, I do a lot of these, uh, interview all of these World War II veterans. So I've learned a lot about battle talk. And you guys are down there holding the line, and it's not easy. Oh, I would agree. And, you know, we fight. We are pushing back and pushing back and doing the best we can. But we have 24 members, and they have 31 members. And they block, and they they introduce legislation, and then they are all going to vote for it. And so before we even know about it, it's it's going to pass through the system. Mm-hmm. So you- it doesn't matter what the people say. It doesn't matter if thousands of people come down and testify. It doesn't matter if thousands and thousands of people send us emails. It doesn't matter if it's against the best of what we have in Colorado. They're just going to pass it. And Colorado is becoming the most progressive state in the nation. It is. And in three months, they're doing this to us. It's so damaging. Well, I think they're overplaying their hand. Uh, but we have, and when I say we, and that, that's that big swath of, of Americans that is not on that far left. That's unaffiliated. Uh, that is Republicans. That's conservatives, conservatarians, libertarians. This big swath. I think needs to understand what's going what's going on, and we can need to continue to have these conversations to make the case for individuals being able to go after their hopes and dreams. Polls show that generally Americans would like to be left alone and go after, you know, just live their lives. And instead, we've got what Grover had said: government continues to make the case to have more and more of your money, but. Susan, you had made a presentation that I thought was really fascinating. Uh, Yours was a really contested race when you ran for uh, House District 38. But you saw a a ground game. You have, like, experience of what actually really happened uh, here in Colorado. And uh, can you share that a little bit with our listeners? Sure. The model of what a successful campaign looks like has changed dramatically in Colorado. People aren't watching all the same television shows. They're not getting the papers. There's a, it's really very, very difficult to get to the voter and to communicate with the voter. What the Democrats did is they went after the bottom 25 percent, the lowest propensity to vote. They did it over the off year. They contacted them in the neighborhood. They got them registered as unaffiliated. They talked to them about local uh, elections and local issues, they befriended them, and then they picked up their ballot. And in my race, uh, I had a swing of about 7,000 votes, which is not uncommon un- for the metro area. I was one of the few that made it through, and they did that by about 30 votes in every precinct. It was very, me- it was very meticulous, and it was very uh, ground-level campaigning. We cannot do campaigning in the Republican Party like we've been doing, sending you know, hundreds of mailers out to a single house late in the game. we got to get close to the people because, Kim, we are the party of the people now. The Republican Party is the only party that is protecting Colorado, the good, the people, the, the workers, not the, not the special interests, not the nonprofits, not the socialist agenda but really caring about what their life is going to look like after this session. Well, when so you th- we're going to have to get on the ground. When you think about 181, which this is basically going to kick oil and gas development out of Colorado, people are going to lose their jobs. As they move out, housing values go down. Um, but you're kicking out, I mean, all the descriptors, the intersectionality, if you, if you will, of what, excuse me, what the left is <clears throat> trying to put forward, 
you know, black, Hispanic, gay, straight, man, woman. The oil and gas industry employs, you know, all those descriptors. And so while the far-left radical progressives opine that they care about all these people that they're trying to, you know, bring in in this whole intersectionality conversation, they don't really give a flying rip about anybody. It's about power, and it's going to be about haves and have-nots. Um, out in California, in San Francisco area, it's the haves and the have-nots. That middle class that is uh, so important to the American dream is being kicked out. And that's one of the things, Grover Norquist, that Ronald Reagan totally appreciated was a vibrant middle class. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> unfortunately, the Democrats are taxing the middle class uh, to continue to grow government. And it doesn't work. You eventually run out of other people's money. Well, and so, Susan, you are... Uh, down there trying to protect this middle class. And uh, you have thrown your hat in the ring for uh, GOP ch- uh, chairman here in Colorado. Uh, tell us, because you've had a firsthand experience in this last election, what would you do? So I would get rid of the acronym GOP. We are not the grand old party anymore. We are the new Republican Party of Colorado. And I think, it's, I think we have hit a tipping point and where the Republican Party is very different than what it may have been 10 years ago or even five years ago. We are a party of the people. We represent not the special interests and not even big business or business. Right now, we're just fighting for the people on the ground so that their kids can go to school and they can get an education and that they can have a job and live in the middle class in Colorado. Um, What I will do is turn this model upside down. For the last six years, we've had this model where money gets raised, a lot of money. It goes to consultants. About 30% is taken off the top, and then we do mailers. That does not work. We have to understand the volunteers and the people on the ground are those people that are going to help us win these elections. And we are going to be joined by new people from the inner city churches that are down there protesting at the at mm-hmm. the Capitol. We're going to be joined by the oil and gas industry workers from young mothers with children who do not like this sex education bill. We have an opportunity to really have a very strong ground game, neighborhood by neighborhood, precinct by precinct, getting new voters registered and getting their vote, and also to have a huge Republican turnout. As we go into the presidential election, we know that Donald Trump is going to be, President Trump is going to be really on fire did you see the? Oh, you didn't see the speech last night. Oh my gosh! Oh, he's going to be on fire, and he's going to bring so much energy and clarity to our message. And we'll have Cory Gardner. We need to protect Cory Gardner, and I think we can have a really, really great year. But we have to break a mold that's been there for at least four years, and that is just ignoring the ground game and really looking down on the good people that are volunteers, precinct leaders, captains, and the traditional county structure, that will change if I am elected. Okay. You know, and Susan, one of the things that I've done, I'm, we're talking about neighbor, you know, I do this, these women's topics and topics groups. And this is, uh, I started back in 2012. I was becoming so concerned about, you know, what it just, and just 12 women got together just to talk about what was going on. And we now have 
Topics and Topics groups in Douglas County, Jefferson County, Boulder, Fort Collins, Northwest Denver. Uh, thank you to all of you. It's very grassroots. But I'm just going to put a, a thought out there. If there are any women out there that would like to start a Topics and Topics groups, uh, just let me know. Uh, go to americhicks.com and uh, forward slash Kim, and uh, I will help you do that. It's very grassroots. You uh, presented at the one out in Jefferson County a couple of uh, months ago, I think. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people were there. It was such a nice event, such a nice neighborhood event, and people understanding and really learning about the issues. We as a, as a community need to understand what's happening under the Gold Dome. Those policies that are, you know, in years past, it might have been just arguing about, you know, roads or if money goes to certain departments. The, the legislation that is happening is so impactful to every single person. And it was nice to have the questions in a small group like that. What a great opportunity for people in the community to socialize and become closer, but also to learn about what is happening in their government so that they can fight back. Well, that's for sure. We're about out of time. This has been just such a rich hour. Grover Norquist, first of all, thank you. Glad to be with you. Great to have you here. And uh, what would be your final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners, and how can they get more information? Oh, sure. At Americans for Tax Reform, ATR.org is our website. We have a list of all the businesses around the country, and you can go to Colorado specifically, that announced, here's what we did because of the Republican tax cut. Here's how many jobs. Here's how much new investments. You can get some actual examples. You might have some of those people on the show, because we only included businesses where the owner said, this is why we did it. Okay. Because of the tax um, cut. Vote, get active, keep an eye on things, and protect the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Not every state has this. It's what makes Colorado different and gives me real hope for Colorado's future. And I have to make just a quick uh, note on that. Uh, Governor Hickenlooper, former Governor Hickenlooper, has thrown his hat in the ring for president. And I believe he's riding on the coattails of the success of Tabor. He's uh, taking the credit for uh, Colorado, which has had a really pretty terrific economy. And, but it's because, because of Tabor, because of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, that has said to government, if you, if you want to raise our taxes or if you want to keep a whole bunch more money, just ask us. Just have some good manners. And we're seeing a real assault on that. Uh, yet uh, Governor Hickenlooper is trying to take credit for that. He just recently, before he went out of office, did the executive order on those low-emission vehicles. Uh, if you like your car, you may not be able to keep your car. Hey, Susan Beckman, final thought. Protect the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Thank you, Kim. It's always a pleasure, and um, I hope you have a good day. Okay, great. And uh, for more information, where can they find that about you, Susan? Uh, You know, they can go to the Republican, uh, State Republican Party website and look it up, or I'm on Facebook, and I've got a website of my own, SusanBeckman.com. There's a lot of information out there about me. And tomorrow's the assembly, so it should be a great day. I'm really looking forward to it. We've got about 500 people from the Central Committee going to come, and we're going to have new leadership for the Republican Party in the state of Colorado as we move forward into this very important election cycle. Okay, great. Uh, So, well, good luck on all that. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for the work that you... And everybody is doing down there, holding the line. Uh, sometimes that's what we have to do as we are mobilizing to come in and, and give you some, some back, <laughs> some support. So we're working on it, Susan. Just know we're working on it. Okay. Thank you, Kim. You have a good day. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And uh, so our quote for today is from the great economist Thomas Sowell. Uh, and uh, I was surprised, Grover, that my... Uh, 
kids in, in college weren't reading him uh, because he is awesome. He's uh, out with the Hoover Institute, Stanford. Uh, but he says, those who cry out that government should do something never even ask for data on what has actually happened when the government did something compared to what actually happened when the government did nothing. Makes a lot of sense, huh? Yeah. That's for sure. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChick signing off. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Uh, God, This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell